0: Welcome into your Friday scramble. It is March 4th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is
1: Andy Lack. Andy, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, man. Yeah, I'm loving this tournament so far, and we got a great leaderboard, and I'm expecting to see even more carnage as the week goes on, which is always fun.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to try to take advantage of said carnage and win some props. We are presented by prize picks. The code you're looking for is Rick 100% instant deposit up to 100 bucks. And we've been crushing these. We're going to get to those very, very quickly because the guys are already out there on the golf course. We know that lock for some of the afternoon stuff is coming soon. So we're going to get to those props very soon. But Andy, I look at this leaderboard. And I see Victor Hovland at the top. I see Rory McElroy, who hasn't even teed off yet, sitting at the top of the leaderboard. Billy Horschel, Terrell Hatton. This is shaping up
1: to be a pretty good one. Even the guys, too. Like, I look at someone like Rom at two under. Some of the guys at three under, too. Like, I think those guys are completely live. I think some of the guys that um, haven't teed off yet that are at five, six, seven, I think we're probably going to see some guys go over par this afternoon. Like it's really going to be interesting to see what Rory does. Um, I don't think that Rory's going to shoot like a crazy low one today. From what I've seen with the weather, it's just going to continue to get more windy, and the course is going to firm up. So I think we're in store for a really bunch tight and fun leaderboard heading into the weekend.
0: Yeah, you can already see, if you've been watching this morning, the contrast to the scoring conditions from yesterday. The wind definitely kicking up. Some of the pin positions, I think, are a little bit trickier. We'll talk about one of those when we get to the props. But yeah, I, I think, Andy, if you shoot... If you're Rory McElroy and you shoot a 69, three under, that's just, like, beautiful. Move on to the weekend at, at 10 and, and see what happens.
1: Oh, yeah. I think even even a 70 I mean anything under par, I think will be good um hang on just closing my email. I heard that was popping up um yeah I, I expect Rory to I expect Rory to play well. I don't think that he needs to go super low today to be in a very good position though.
0: Is this one of those situations where, like, if you're Victor Hovland, who's got a couple of holes to play, getting in in the clubhouse at maybe 8 or 9 under might be better than being Rory, who's at 7 under but still has to play this afternoon. Are we expecting it to be that difficult, or you still think there's scoring opportunities out
1: there? No, there's definitely definitely scoring opportunities out there. I think if I'm Rory, I would sign for a 70, though, Mm. I think to get to nine heading into the weekend. Does that sound right? What would you say? Uh, Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think Rory's already done a lot of the hard work, which is playing well in the
0: first round, which is something that he hasn't necessarily done uh, in recent memory. So I think he's done a lot of the hard work already, but uh, he does not need to win this golf tournament on a Friday, but he could certainly lose it on a Friday. So yes, uh, anything under par, quite frankly, I think is going to be more than enough for Rory to just be, lurking peak at the right time as we get into the weekend, all that good stuff, anything under par Rory,
1: I think takes away as a, as a victory. I would agree. Would you take go who do you think has a better chance to win this tournament? Rory or Hovland boy, man. Um, It's probably Rory. I mean, he's just, mm. he had complete
0: control of his game in round one. Bay Hill has been phenomenal to him. I think he really likes uh, you know, not having the greens reading books. he talked about how that freed him up. I, I just think Rory is in a really good mind uh, mind space right now at a place that he just absolutely loves.
1: I'd probably give the slight edge to Rory too, but man. I mean, Hovland, Hovland needs that this would be probably the biggest win of Hovland's career, right? He's easily, yeah, easily yeah, the he, win. he need he needs that signature u s. win. Um, uh, I think he's going to be quite, I don't think it's a hot take by any means, but I think he's going to be quite relevant heading into the heading into Sunday.
0: For sure. For sure. We're going to talk about the live odds and we'll get back to, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but these props, are they're they're kicking off right now, and we've been crushing these. Uh, I can see the comments in the chat about how we've maybe been bankrupting prize picks. I don't think we can go that far. They're very well funded, but we're doing our part to try to make that happen. So we're going to do the props, but we're going to take a quick break. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Let's prop it like it's hot. We are... <laughs> the comments, I assume we'll get a response about you bankrupting uh, prize picks, uh, the fact that we are not only moving lines but removing props off the board. Andy, this is this has been very profitable. 4-0 and for round one. 11-2 in our last three scrambles. We are really... I think we're really onto something here, but
1: I have made like <laughs> I may just give up DraftKings and betting because I'm having so much more success just playing prize picks. Yeah, my question was very similar to many of that in the chat with are they okay? Like, are they, are they doing all right? Because I know that people are acting on this too. I know that we're not the only ones because I've gotten other messages um, telling me like, wow, I had no idea about this prize picks thing, but I've had more success doing prize picks than I have in any other golf marketplace. And I've been at this for a long time. So hopefully we can keep the good times rolling this week. There are a couple I really like for today.
0: Yes, I've gotten those messages as well, like I've been playing you know regular d f s for years, and I'm already up way more in prize picks and here Here's the big example um so hole number sixteen yesterday of the fifteen golfers that were available, thirteen of them went under Andy, and that is no longer an option for friday i I don't think we're gonna get whole sixteen any longer they they're cutting us off from that.
1: Yeah. Either prize picks needs to like hire us to make the lines or because I think sometimes um, the lines are just a little bit off, right? And it's a simple math equation with a lot of these things. So sometimes with that example with six, like they just set the line too low and 13 of 15 or something like that will go under, which if you talk about like a an NFL slate or something like that. There's never, it's, it's usually a lot closer to a 50% split in in any over under or something like that. So I think we have a situation where they're probably still figuring out how to get these lines perfect. And we can really do a good job of taking advantage of them.
0: All right. Let's try to take a little bit more of an advantage here. Let's start with, actually we have not collaborated on these, but you and I are, are both picking on the same golfer, Andy. So, so who is it and what prop are you looking for here first?
1: Yeah, I feel bad for Kisner. He's the Matt Kuchar of previous weeks where we talked <laughs> about where the golfers that price picks usually offers tends to be, um, the favorites close to the favorites. And then there's always that one guy where it's like, huh, does that name really fit with the others? And, and this week it feels like Kevin Kisner. Um, I went Kevin Kisner under 11.5 greens in regulation. And we know that Kisner is not the best iron player. He certainly hasn't been in the last couple of months. He he was 66 in approach yesterday. Um, could argue that the irons are, they're just, They're not there right now, and they haven't been for a little bit. And players on average hit under 11 greens in regulation at Bay Hill historically. So now I'm getting a player who's struggling with his irons, And price picks is asking that player to have an abnormally good iron day on an afternoon with a lot of wind and firm greens, where I think even the best iron players in the world may struggle to hit 12 greens. Like this is a layup wreck run, not walk to bet this one
0: and I I echo that sentiment because what we've noticed is that will be 11 in the next 5 minutes instead of 11 and a half so if you want to make sure that you are winning on 11 that side of it is the side you you want uh he hit 10 yesterday and as you mentioned Andy this seems like the 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 worst side of the draw and now he's going to have to hit two more than he hit yesterday in harder condition it's just that's a that's a it's big too edge. high. It's, it's too
1: it's edge. it it's just it's just too high. Yeah. So I love that one.
0: So I'll take a Kisner one as well. And you can't put the same golfer on the same entry, so you can kind of split these up and use them as cores or whatever, which is kind of what I end up doing with the flex plays and the power plays anyway. But I've got Kisner under three and a half birdies, and you mentioned it. It's just he he's just not playing well enough right now. He's not historically or yesterday taking advantage of the par fives, which are your more layups that you can get at Bay Hill. And as we get the week going on and the day going on, he's just on the wrong side of this. He made one birdie yesterday. And if you're not able to pick up the fives, um, there's a lot fewer opportunities out there. In fact, as of right this moment, there are only four holes on the golf course that are playing under parts also playing significantly harder than it was yesterday. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to pick on Kisner here. I'll take under three and a half birdies and Andy, you've got under 11 and a half greens.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, again, like Kev, this is just a big golf course for Kevin Kisner. I, I think that you probably want to target Kisner at places like colonial and Harbor town and Wyndham. Right. But this is just Kisner's path To success here is a lot more difficult um, than, you know, Rom or Hovland or even a guy like Keith Mitchell, who's a really good driver of the ball and a good long iron player, right? Like, this is just not the best spot for Kevin Kisner. And so I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of edges that you can find from that
0: link in the description uh promo code rick you get 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks andy the other thing is and you and i are both early risers and it really helps on uh this these east coast events being able to see how the course is playing and still have props that have not locked yet oh my god please never change that right? We, we get valuable information of how holes and the courses and even players are playing and you can still get access to prop. Like that is unbelievably advantageous for guys like us.
1: That's my favorite part of it. And that's why I think prize picks golf is even a lot easier than like prize picks NBA or prize football is because we have developing information as the day goes on. And yet the lines are a little bit slower to react than they should be from that information. So we could basically use that information to our advantage in real time without the lines moving often until a little bit later or the next day. Generally, by the time the show goes live, they start to catch up. But yeah, I I I think that's the best strategy, too. You can basically wake up every single morning turn on ESPN plus, look at some of the early stats, pick up on some of the pin positions. They released the pin positions the night before uh, too. And you can generally get a sense of how much more difficult the course is playing pretty early. And it's always a fair assumption. I bring this up every single time on this show. Like it's generally a fair take to assume that the course is going to play harder as the week progresses. So you can usually use that assumption to your advantage as well.
0: Okay, we've got Johnny in the chat who's looking for one more pick. He is literally drooling, drooling over here is what he says. So, Johnny, we're going to give you actually not one, but two more. Andy, you're – oh, my gosh, we picked the same guy again. We've got Hideki Matsuyama rocking here. What do you got for Dekibot?
1: okay yeah not planned at all we we, <laughs> we probably the, should have <laughs> yeah we edit we edit the outline individually but I went with Hideki over 71 which again this is just a pure number play for me I, I like Hideki fine we obviously know Hideki's a great player but Like I've mentioned a bunch of times, I think it's going to get harder in the afternoon. I think the scoring average this afternoon is going to be like closer to 73, 73 73.5. 71's a really good score at Bay Hill. Um, It played over par yesterday, and today's going to be tougher. And Hideki was all over the map yesterday. He was 98th in strokes gained off the tee, 78th in strokes gained tee to green, and When you're betting on Hideki for a single round of golf, he is a highly variable player because of how cold the putter can get at times. So this is just a pure number play, Rick. I thought 71 is just a little too high.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on some of the Hideki volatility. And with, uh, the, again, the same golfer, you'll have to kind of split these up into different entries, which we'll talk about in a second. That's something I, I generally tend to do. I'm, I'm going with Hideki over four and a half on number six. So number six, that famous par five around the water. Bryson did his thing. We know that hole. So as of this moment, 46 players have gone through number six. Only 11 have made birdie that's 24% under. And I think a lot of it, Andy is the pin position. So they've got that front left pin position on six right now. So that means you, if you are even trying to hit the green in two, you are usually at uh, the back corner of the green. You're in the front bunker and the, the angles that you're coming in from there The towards the water, once you get past the pin, everything, it drops off right there. So even if you're just a a foot too long, it'll roll out to five, six, seven, eight feet. We saw Tommy Fleetwood. That happened to him a little bit earlier today coming out of the bunker. It's just really hard to give yourself any easy birdies. If you make a birdie, you're going to have to make like an eight footer for it or a nine footer for it. And when you start putting me in those situations for a guy like Decky who When he gets off with the putter, it's generally pace. Like, I I think he can very, very easily make a par on this hole.
1: Yeah. No, I, I love that one, too. I love the angle that you've kind of brought in with the pin positions on holes. I think that's just a really sharp way to look at it because the way that a pin is can obviously dramatically change the course of the hole. It can change the entire strategy of the hole in terms of how players try and attack that hole, especially when it's a par five. Um, so I, I love that one, Rick. I, I had my high on a couple of whole six ones as well.
0: Yeah. Whole six playing tough out here today. So again, the code you're looking for is Rick. 100% instant deposit match up to hundred bucks. There's a link in the description. We'll put a bow on this profit. Like it hot prop it Like it's hot segment with this question from the chat, which I can find Cambo says, what prize pick strategy for flex plays versus power plays, Andy? So this is the option that you can get when you start building these entries. Do you want to only be rewarded with a big multiple if you get them all right, the power play, or the flex play where if you make a five prop entry and you only get four right or you only get three right, you get a a portion of your entry back? I... I'm still finding the right strategy. I mix it up a lot. I take the, the props that I feel most confident in, and I'll put them into a lot of different entries and kind of build around it and use it as a core. And some I'll make power plays and some I'll make flex plays. But have you
1: found anything that kind of fits your uh, fancy as of, as of
0: the way to do this?
1: So I tend to play a little bit more aggressively, which is easy to say when you're hitting like 85% (laughs) of your props over the past couple months. Um, But I I probably would say that uh, a more conservative strategy would make sense here, right? I, I think that's what's the that's the beauty of of prize picks. It's like you can decide how aggressive you want to be, just like in DraftKings, where you can decide if you want to go for you know GPPs or or play cash games and kind of build your bankroll week to week. You can do that in prize picks, right? Like you can take a more conservative strategy based on the way that you do your card and and kind of look to build a bankroll every single week, or you could take a more aggressive approach that is kind of more acting like a parlay and do it that way too. And some weeks you're going to lose your money and some weeks you're going to hit a lot bigger. So it really is up to you. I tend to play a little bit more aggressively, but I think both strategies make a lot of sense.
0: Okay. I am just seeing if those Kisner lines have moved yet. I think you're still good for now. So run over there, grab these numbers. Uh, The code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description and hopefully we can continue to run as hot as we have. Uh, Andy, I want to get back to the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I want to look at the live odds because I think that's also something uh, compelling that's going on, especially when you get bigger names at the top of the leaderboard. And I want to talk about our one and done selections. Yeah, baby. Let's talk about those. But first, We're going to take a quick break. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rom. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Whew. Okay. I got to settle down. The props get me very excited. I know we're trying to get them in before everything locks, but we could take, take a little bit of a breather here. Get back to the Arnold Palmer invitational Andy. And what I see since the last time we checked in is that Victor's made another birdie now six under par for his round. He has gotten to nine under for the tournament and he's got a couple of holes to play. And with that, He has become the favorite to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Caesars is now having Victor Hovland at plus 225 with Rory McIlroy at plus 250. Your thoughts on Victor being the favorite, uh, let's call it 33 and a
1: half holes into this thing. I think it makes sense, right? I think you probably want to be in the clubhouse. Right. And I I think looking at the odds board, I would probably lean more towards guys that are going to be in, like I was looking a little bit at Billy Horschel. I was, especially if the conditions firm up over the weekend, I was looking a little bit at Terrell Hatton. Like, I, I think you probably want to be in, in that five, six, seven range. And the fact that Hovland has a chance to go in at nine or even 10 under does he have any more par fives to play let me look real quick yeah so he started on uh the back
0: nine so he is playing number seven right now which is a par three he has a three footer for par so assume he taps that in then he has eight and nine left they're both par fours and they are playing hard. yeah a combined um about a third of a stroke over par nine's very hard nine's a quarter of a stroke over par. At the mo- there's been not a single birdie on nine today at this point yeah
1: yeah those are hard and okay so billy billy just made another bogey too and he has to play eight and nine too and hatton yeah hatton has to play all those ones too yeah i get i mean i I think hovland should is the deserving favorite i wouldn't i wouldn't run to bet hovland right now right rick i would kind of let these odds mature a little bit and see what rory does um but i i i let, i think hoffman has to be very happy with his position what do you think about sung Jay, too yeah so sung Jay
0: tees off here in about 20 minutes or so as we are uh going live at the moment i'll tell you what i i like the way sung sets up for bay hill i don't like i i have a feeling that we're going to see this side of the draw is going to end up being like a shot worse which is always I agree. a little I bit i agree concerning. with you yeah. Yeah. So it's just tough to play from behind the eight ball. It's not like we haven't seen guys do that and win, but it's not just the fact that Sung is going to have to probably make up four or five strokes in, you know, today or be behind the leader and do it in the worst conditions, but also the names that you mentioned at the top, Victor, Rory, Billy, Tarot, like
1: they're not scrubs. They're not scrubs. So of the three guys at four under that have yet to tee off, Zalatoris, Scott, and Sungjae. Who would you say you have the most confidence in? I think it's still probably Sungjae.
0: I, I I really like Sungjae's ability to get it done in a lot of different conditions. Right? We've yeah. seen him win Honda in crazy difficult conditions. We've seen him win at Shriners, literally like a tour scoring record, twenty five under par or whatever it was. You know, something outrageous like that. So, um, I I like his ability to, to do that. Zalatoris and Scott. Hey, if they putt they're going to be they're going to be deadly. I I've liked the way that Zalatoris played yesterday. If you get four more rounds or three more rounds of that, I think he makes a lot of noise.
1: Yeah, I will probably go Zalatoris, but I'm a little biased because I bet him pre-tournament and he's my one and done play. But yeah, I, I think Zalatoris' game sets up really really well for more difficult courses. I think Zalatoris is the type of player that every single year for the next like 10-15 years you're going to want to plug him in at Torrey Pines. You're going to want to plug him in at Riviera. You're going to want to plug him in at your Bay Hills and your memorials. He said himself, like I am better suited for major championships. I'm better suited for more difficult conditions. I get to hit a lot more long irons, which gives me a much bigger advantage over the field than when it's a lot of wedges. I don't have to rely so much on my putter to make a million putts, right. And, and keep up with a, a Denny McCarthy and my ball striking can really set me apart. So I, I think Zelotaurus, um I'm feeling okay. I'm not feeling quite as good about my one and done as you should be, but I'm still feeling good. Uh, we'll, we will certainly get to that in just one second. I, you mentioned something that I want to mine into
0: a little bit, because I think it's really sharp. So you mentioned you would not be going to bet Victor Hovland right now at plus two twenty five. I think that is smart for a couple of reasons, but I know a lot of people make this mistake. They see a guy rattle off a birdie or two or three and jump out to lead and there's, Oh, I'm going to grab him right now, which is generally the worst time to grab him right especially when you know he's got two of the harder holes coming up he might cough a stroke up there or the fact that Rory McIlroy if he shoots anything under par Rory's going to be the favorite in this thing again in 3 hours so you you have to practice a little patience Andy and instead of trying to sprint to go get the guy that you really like it seems like the number for Victor's only going to get better throughout the day Not only
1: Rick, they'll bet him to win the Masters, right? Too. Right. Right. (laughs) That's the funny thing, too. I remember Rory in December during a quiet time had like this incredible round one on the European Tour. And his Masters odds like dropped because everyone was like, I'm going to go bet Rory to win the Masters. He didn't end up winning that tournament. I think the odds that you can get now are just as good, if not better, on him. Um, So, yeah, I would exercise patience. I think the most important thing, as we mentioned, is like, okay, if that guy has a par five coming up, that's one of the easiest holes on the course. Okay, now I'm listening, right? But you should also be looking at like what we mentioned is eight and nine are like two of the toughest holes on the course, right? So, again, just play the math and maybe see how he does on those holes. Chances are maybe there's a chance that he makes a bogey. And if he does make a birdie, then tip your hat to him. Right. So I I would say kind of play the math a little bit more and, and try and figure out, okay, where does this guy not just sit on the leaderboard, but where does he sit like on the course? Yeah.
0: Where, um, let's do the John Rahm conversation for just one second because he got off to a hot start in round two. He went out in 33, three birdies, no bogeys. He then made three bogeys in his first five holes on his second nine. He did take advantage of the par five fourth, and he's playing the par five sixth right now, and he's in decent position. But Andy, um, you know, continues to kind of struggle with the putter. Shake his head. Didn't putt well at all yesterday. He's putting a little bit closer to to tour average on this Friday with a, a handful of holes to go. But Rom is um seemingly building with frustration at the moment.
1: Yeah, I did a deep dive on Rom a couple weeks ago on my podcast. And there's nobody that has been worse out of in terms of getting the most out of their great ball striking weeks. For some reason, Rom tends to uh, there's a stat out there. I'm gonna butcher this because I'm going off the top of my head, but I think something like roms 10 to 12 best ball striking weeks of his career he has zero wins and somebody like rory or dustin johnson has like seven or eight of those so for whatever reason rom just has not been good at being able to match up his elite ball striking weeks with his elite putting weeks and that's the reason why he isn't winning more right now he's the best td green player in the world That's not up for debate. He's hitting it great right now. But something is wrong with the putter, and and I can't quite figure it out. I'm trying to think if it's technical or something. I know he's changed the putter a couple times. It doesn't look like – correct me if I'm wrong because you watch a ton of golf too. It doesn't look like Zalatoris, right, where everything is – there's a little bit of a hitch. It doesn't look like Justin Thomas, right? Where no. he keeps missing everything on the right side. They're just, they're not going in. I,
0: yeah, I think his stroke looks great. I think he might be just misreading putts, which is obviously, yeah. you know, you have to match pace and line and he's just not doing it as often right now. But he's, he's also not missing badly. He burns the edge like every single time he's been, it's just, it's variance, man. They're not, they're not going
1: down for him. And you, you kind of also have to like, listen to what players say. I mean, I hope that he gets asked about this. Right. And, and you can, you can learn a lot from, you know, when a player is like, no, trust me, I'm hitting the putts where I want to be hitting the putts. They're just not going in. As you said, it's variance, And I'm, I'm kind of curious to find out if we can get from Rom in an interview, like how confident he is in this putter right now, because there are a lot of times where strokes game putting is probably, um probably the least congruent often with how a player will generally feel about their Potter. It just, it doesn't always tell the story because as you mentioned, there's so much variance involved and Roms talks about before in interviews, he's actually said like, Yeah, the strokes gain stats, I look at them and I'm often very surprised by them because sometimes they reflect that I'm hitting the ball poorly and I feel super, super confident and same thing with the putter. So I'm kind of curious to hear where Rom thinks his putter is at. I probably lean closer to the side with you. Like, I don't think anyone's broken. He's just on, he's on the run side of variance right now.
0: I I tend to agree. Here's him playing six right now, which I think is a really great example of what I was talking about, because uh, actually, I think I can do this as well. Yes. Okay. perfect. So look at this, Andy. He has played this hole absolutely perfectly, and he is going to have seven feet for birdie. If you give me seven feet for birdie to burn me on those props and you played the hole perfectly, I'll take that every single time. Because this, you can see how the pin, once you get past the pin, this thing rolls down towards the water. So you cannot get it to stop. And John Rahm played this hole perfectly and now has about a 45% chance of making the putt. And he missed it (laughs) in real time. How about that?
1: I was, I've got ESPN Plus in the background too. I was watching it. I was like, oh man, oh man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for him because you look at the ball striking stats and uh, there's such a large discrepancy right now between the ball striking and the putting, which is, you know, you'll see sometimes with Hideki, you'll see sometimes with Sergio, but Rom's a historically great putter. I mean, he has had great putting stretches over the course of his career. So I'm going to be really interested to see uh, how this plays out for him.
0: Uh, quickly on our one-and-done selection. So we're both we're both in the mix. So you had Will Zalatour's at the moment T6, four under par victors in the lead at nine under, and we'll see how he finishes up. And mine was Rory McIlroy, seven under, and has not teed off yet. This could be the moment I've been waiting for, Andy. A big payday. Get myself back in the mix. Head to Sawgrass next week and see how much cash and I can accumulate.
1: So if Rory wins and Zala Torres finishes like seventh. Yeah. Are you ahead of me now? So, <clears throat> well,
0: um, do you remember what the standings were? So you were at 1.9 and I was at like 190,000, something like that. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. Oh, here we go. Thank you. Producer Producer Mina. Mina. 1.9 and 276,000. So let's say I get 2.1 for Rory winning that would get me to 2.3 and a T what do we say seven or nines probably a couple hundred grand. it would be it would be really close it would be really yeah. close.
1: you're right back in it and as you already alluded to the players is the players purse it's bigger than it's bigger than all the major championships right is it the biggest purse in PGA Tour history it's I think far. I read that by yeah. far yeah three, 20
0: million dollar purse <laughs> three point six
1: million to the winner So let me ask you a quick like strategy question for one and done. Is this a, in a situation like this, when the purse is that big, are you thinking, okay, I'm playing John Rahm or Colin (laughs) Morikawa, or are you thinking like, that's what everyone's doing? Let me still try and think a little bit outside of the box here.
0: So in our one and done, I'm more apt to just play ROM or Murakawa, right? Just yeah. because it's the two of us, the larger one and done, you get into hundred people, thousand people. I would much prefer to have the fifth favorite, uh, who is basically just as likely to win the golf tournament as some of the guys at the top at a fraction of the ownership and be a little bit different. Now I won't go down to a 50 to one shot and especially in yeah. Sawgrass is Sawgrass is also not Augusta National, as you know, which Augusta National, the course history, very, very sticky, plays the same. You know, there's there's just so many ways you can eject at Sawgrass
1: that I would rather not be on the chalky favorite. Yeah. Okay. I feel the exact same way. I think there's so much variance involved at that course. I already started digging into it a little bit, Rick. You know me. And uh, I was looking at how I did last year, too, and like looking at some of the stuff that I was looking at last year, you're right. Like course history there. It's very, very hard to find Rick somebody with like an immaculate resume at TPC Sawgrass. Like your Rory has a bunch of top 15s. He also has a bunch of missed cuts too, right? Like every single, I was going through looking at how players have done here, the elites. And it's really, really hard to find like an immaculate resume at TPC Sawgrass. There's just so much variance involved. And I think, It's probably one of the harder betting and DFS and one and done weeks of the year because so much can happen on that course. And we're very, very likely to see some of the best players in the world miss the cut.
0: For sure. And it doesn't help that that's the biggest purse that we've got. So everybody's going to be all up in a tizzy next week when their golfer misses the cut in a $20 million purse. Okay. We're going to look at the player's odds. I've got that queued up. And I also want to just have a little fun and talk about something stupid, but we're going to do that after these 30 seconds. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run Gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at RickRungood.com Okay, Andy, let's look forward a few days and talk about the odds for the Players Championship. Now, as I reveal the odds courtesy of uh, these are from DraftKings. Are you? How often are you looking ahead to major championship odds? Because I, I think there's a couple of ways that people do this. You can wait till the week of, and you can hope to get better numbers. Or for, someone will see, oh, Max Homa won a golf tournament. I'm gonna run and bet him at the Masters. Jason Kokrak won a golf tournament. I'm gonna run and bet him at the Masters. Then you get to actually, or, or even the Players Championship, whatever you want to talk about. You get to that week and you've already got 12 guys on your card.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a, I'm a waiter. Uh, I understand uh, people that run to do it. You're playing a little bit more of a guessing game, but I like to have all of the information possible at my disposal. And I think people sometimes underestimate the Tuesday, Wednesday drift of a major championship or, or a player's championship. Like very, very often at these types of tournaments, the players, the majors there's going to be a very elite player with a high two or a three next to their name they just they can't once the odds mature somebody has to drop and a lot of the time that doesn't generally happen sometimes until tuesday or wednesday the week of and i would just caution to say that like they put those lines out for the early birds, right? They put those lines out for the people that cannot wait. And sometimes there's a lot of merit in waiting till that Tuesday or Wednesday and kind of seeing which elite player drifts to a number that we're not used to seeing them at.
0: As of right now, John Rahm is your favorite. No surprise. Eight to one defending champion. Justin Thomas is next at 14 to one with Colin Morikawa at 16 Rory at 18 Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantley rounding out the 20s. So a couple of items. Uh I will I will just continue to not be involved in the John Rahm outright market. And I'll yeah. play him on DraftKings and I'll take him in matchups and I'll get access to his his props and I'll play him on Jock Mark. Like I'll do everything else, but the outright market. And that's what 156. It's like the full field for the players. We talked about the ways that you can eject eight to one. It's just what's the real number for Rom? What's the actual number on
1: Rom that he is to win that event? Probably like 14 to one right? 13, 12, 13, 14 to one. You know, I I talked about this a little bit on, on my podcast earlier this week. What do you think ROMS? It's not going to happen. He's going to make the cut easily, but what do you, do you think we would have seen a 10 or an 11 on ROM if he missed the cut? And if he, if he finishes like 35th this week, do you think that changes anything?
0: I think our best bet for that is that Rory or Victor win this week, especially Rory. If Rory wins, and they slash him to 12 and Rom T 41, something like that. Maybe you can, maybe you can get a 10 on Rom, but I think that's like the only scenario in which it
1: happens. I would agree. I think if Rory wins, you kind of have to put Rory as the favorite over Rom. He's been better at the players. He's a former winner at the players and he's been winning a lot more than Rom recently and, and playing some great golf. So yeah, I think if Rory wins, I think you get, like, maybe a co-favorite situation with both of them at, like, 11 or 10. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And if Victor wins, obviously, you see that 20 on Victor. I guess, like, if you really think Victor's going to win and you want to grab a 20 on Victor to win the players right now, like, I understand that. So do I, uh, especially because he's a guy
0: who he stays hot, right? We saw that where he won back-to-back star, like he can stay in the moment. It would obviously be a much bigger situation to win um, the week before the player championship at an, at an elevated event at the API to put on the, the red cardigan and then to go and win the Players championship. But he tends to stay in the moment. His game sets up well for basically every single golf course on earth. I, 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 I would agree that, um, you can't bet Victor to win the API now, but you could potentially bet him to win the players now.
1: Can I ask you a, your opinion on a Victor question? Because Victor's yeah. your personal friend. Do you think Victor, I've heard him talk before about how he's not the biggest fan of Florida golf. Like, mm. do you ever think about stuff like that? Do you, I'm not even talking about like agronomy here with like bet grass, Bermuda grass. I'm talking about like regional differences. Do you think that, do you weigh that stuff? Do you look at that stuff? A little bit there. That is definitely a real thing. It's not just Victor who
0: says that it's a lot of guys who say that where they get to a certain region that they like, or that they don't like. And it can be completely detached from their actual results in that region. Right. Which is kind of the other crazy part about it. You'll see a guy who plays well in Florida and they're like, I just, Something about this doesn't doesn't sit well with me. So you have to kind of take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, unfortunately, because um, there there are these little, you know th- these guys
1: are still human and their
0: their brains work and are flawed, uh, even if their games are not.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and Hovland has said that, and yet he almost won the concession last year, and he is the favorite to win this tournament. So correct that that's the thing that you you kind of have to think about. What's Brooks just out of curiosity? Well, I'll keep scrolling 35 to one same odds as Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. Okay. I think, I think you can even wait on that a little bit because I think that if I had to guess, right, I think this is a fair assumption that one of the, you know, it's either going to be Rory. It's going to be Hovland. If it's not one of those guys, it's going to be Hatton or Zalatoris or Adam Scott. Like I, I, Somebody is going to drop this week in the odds market and I think that I think that Brooks might be somebody that goes a little bit under the rug this
0: week. I think there's a case to be made that if you want to bet somebody who is not in the field this week, you should wait. Like 100%. They, they're only getting worse if they're in the field this week
1: percent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so waiting on Brooks, Um. anybody else catch your eye here? Bryson's at 22 along with DJ and Xander. Hideki and Cam Smith are both at 25. Spieth and Berger at
1: 28. Anything noteworthy in there? Well, do you think Bryson's going to play? I do not. Yeah, me neither. So maybe that's another reason <laughs> to actually go at it sooner, because if you think Bryson's going to WD... If you have somebody at 22 to one WD, that will have an effect on the market. I don't think he's playing. I am under my,
0: I don't, I don't want to say I have sources or anything like that, but I am under the impression. And this is also with the idea that Bryson himself is a very unreliable narrator. So whatever he even tells people about his own game or about his health, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Cause he's not a reliable narrator, but I'm under the impression that, um, the next the next checkpoint is the masters and that he is if this was football would be questionable for the masters now that's again i uh, bryson is one of the guys that i feel least confident in kind of saying that about but that's that is my current understanding of the situation and it's the wrist that's the problem
1: yeah i would agree with you i i don't i think he is not going to play the players i'd put him at like 75, 80, 20 to not play the players, and I'd put them out like uh 50-50 to play the masters right now. I, I mean, wrist is hard in golf. Like that's it's a bit wrist is a big deal. And with the amount of pressure that Bryson puts on his golf swing, this is the same thing that you say with like NBA players, too, right? Is the bigger that they are as a human being and the more weight that they're carrying around. The more pressure they are putting on themselves with every single movement, right? So, somebody like Zion Williamson, it's like every single time Zion jumps, he right. is landing so much harder on that foot and that ankle than anyone else. Every time Bryson swings, he is putting so much more pressure on his wrist than other players. So, the wrist is like that's a real injury that scares me a little bit. So, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Rick. I, I'm not sure if I see it right now.
0: I'm also under the impression that Webb Simpson will be out for an extended period of time. He's currently at 45 to one. I do not think we see him next week nor for a while. Patrick, they're still hanging the fifties on Patrick Reed. Same number as Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Mark Leishman. Boy, would I love to short Patrick Reed?
1: Yeah. How's that for a segue to, into our next topic? Um, I don't understand why he's up 50 to one to win the players and was like 150 to one this week um, in a weaker field. It's not like Reed's been that good at the players either. I have no idea what's going on with him. I, I looked, he, he shot even yesterday, which was fine. I haven't looked. Oh, they just showed him on. He just made a par putt to stay at plus four. So nice. he's going to miss the cut. He's going to miss the cut again this week. Like that, that, that does not make sense to me his his odds at the players. That is the worst bet on the board. The,
0: the only thing that doesn't make sense to me even more is this uh, burner account. And I honestly, I almost want to just like not do this now because I feel like it needs a full Saudi deep dive into how crazy this whole burner thing has been. But like like let's give it a few moments here. So the used golf facts account, which has been, basically confirmed to be Justine Reed at this point um and we know that because it's definitely connected to the official Patrick Reed account and also tweets while he plays and the only thing that makes sense would it be like somebody else on Team Reed which would be Justine
1: yeah I know <laughs> we're in agreement there or what? we're in a ag- we're, we're in agreement there and 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 it's kind of shameless at this point like I think I think she's kind of been outed a little bit I think somebody did like some some deep dive that linked the uh, like the forgot my password type thing. And that was able to link that it was like Patrick Reed, like Justine's father, like Patrick Reed's father-in-law that yeah. had the email address associated with the count and just shameless, just continues to go. Which by the way, was, that
0: was found out before The used golf facts account went on the same copy and paste rant about uh, what happened at the green side of 10 at Torrey Pines about how Rory McIlroy did the same thing on 18 and wasn't penalized for it. And then the official Patrick Reed account tweeted the exact same thing after the used golf facts account had already tweeted. So the, the only two options are. Uh, whoever has access to the official Patrick Reed account also has access to the used golf facts account. That's one assumption or that Patrick Reed just so happened to tweet the exact same thing that a crazy pro Patrick Reed account has word for word letter by letter. Which one of those things do you think is uh, more likely to have been true?
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that there may be some collusion on that end. What's so strange to me, too, is like, okay, so... And he was he was getting into it with one of your uh, co-hosts on the first cut, Kyle Porter, a little bit um, about the PIP. But some of the other stuff that he was getting into it about, like driving distance, it's so... Like, nobody... <sighs> Whether arguing over whether your true driving distance is 296 versus 287, like who cares? That is the strangest thing for me, in my opinion, to pick a bone with that shot link is maybe skimping Patrick Reed a little bit on driving distance by like eight yards. If, and I quote,
0: If these stats are from the PGA Tours shot link, Patrick Reed's driving distance has been incorrect and sitting at 287 yards for three years. They pick two holes on a course and they throw out 10% of what they deem outliers. Go to the DP World Tour stats average driving distance and it's around 296. There was a follow-up tweet that said, hold on, let me get this one here. Cause this is the one that's got the true craziness here. Um, Oh, this might not even be the worst one. The Tour owns and runs Shotlink, I believe. It's well known they control just about everything. Quite a shame. But I was speaking with a great statistician a few months ago, and he said he stopped looking at Shotlink data years ago because it was so flawed and inaccurate. There was also a tweet, here we go, uh, about skewing the Shotlink data to delineate a player's strengths and marginalize them in the game. Meanwhile, using Shotlink to create stats that prop up their, quote, boys with inflated stats, all to misinform the public. This is the rants of a crazy person.
1: There's a lot going on here, Rick. So first of all, I think it's important to note that he is uh, accusing the PGA tour of like conspiracy, right? (laughs) That they are specifically lying about Patrick Reed's stats in order to prop up um, I guess the guys that they want to win the PIP, right? That's that's already, okay, it's already like,
0: okay, you, you want to knock down Patrick Reed's stats. If I could agree with that statement, if, if I could even get to that far, why? What, what's the big, <laughs> what's the big edge? What's the big secret? What's the big advantage to having Patrick Reed's stats be eight dri- yards di- shorter
1: in driving distance? For what? No, there is none, and and no one cares either. Like that is not part of. Do you think that Patrick Reed would be higher on the pep if he drove the ball three hundred yards? Like that's no, no. just it's so it's so irrelevant. It doesn't make any sense why this is the type of thing. I, maybe they're a little like feisty in the Reed camp right now. Like maybe they're a little. You know, he hasn't played well. He's in probably the worst slump of his entire career. His odds are cratering. He hasn't really been a factor to win a golf tournament in, I think, at least like six months, right? So maybe they're getting a little little feisty in Reed camp.
0: It's the the whole thing. I mean, it's not like you're all – you can't – who cares? You can't manipulate his scores, right? Like whatever he scores is going to be his score. The other thing is, Andy, I know you've been at golf tournaments. You've seen how shot link works. Do you think the 80 year old volunteer who can barely see the golf ball is what part of a conspiracy against Patrick Reed or is it happening in the algorithm after that gets input? Like the whole thing is just like bonkers. It's bonkers.
1: Yeah, no, that's another that's a podcast we should do sometime is like deep diving how shot actually works because that stuff is fascinating to me. And I love when I'm at tournaments, meeting the guys and talking to them and picking their brain a little bit, although they can never really talk to you that much because their job is very, very important as you know, but what he is accusing is one of the more absurd claims uh that i've heard in quite some time it, it does not add up whatsoever when we're looking at like motivation for why anyone would do something like that
0: uh, We yeah this is a whole this is a 10 part mini series on shot link and then the patrick reed burner account but has anyone do you know if anyone has ever asked patrick reed about this account like in the media. Yeah, because it's very easy to say, hi, Patrick, I have a tweet from your official verified Twitter account that says, quote, Rory McElroy did the same exact thing on 18, which is also happens to be the same exact thing that someone said about uh, from this account, which has been a staunch defender of you for the last three years and a critic of everyone that you know
1: and love. Um, are you connected to this account? I, I'm I'm actually... the. When you said that, I'm actually surprised that like golf digest or golf.com hasn't done like a big story on this, right? Like a, like a big story trying to deep dive this. Do you think that media members have reached out to Reed's camp to try and explore this more? Because I was thinking about like, I don't think Reed's going to be on the interview schedule for, for. (laughs) For quite some time. Like he's not cracking that at the players. I don't see him cracking it at any maybe at the Masters because he's a former winner, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So um he I don't know if I've said this before. We had Patrick
0: Reed scheduled to come on the first cut podcast the Monday or Tuesday after Tory Pines. And we this had year. him all- no the year last that the last the year that he had the incident. Oh, and wow. uh maybe it was like wednesday or something like that and uh the whole thing went down on saturday at tory and I was like, holy shit, like we're gonna have to ask you about this. Like, we're gonna have to be like, what in the world happened and what's going on here? And I'm gonna get to ask about the burner in like a legitimate, like if I was trying to be a legitimate journalist, uh, like that's a real question. The tweet came from your verified Twitter account. It's not like out of bounds, it's not a uh, slander. It's like a real, I have to address this now. And then Monday morning we got an email that was like, yeah, actually we're going to push and, um, we'll find a time in the future. And let me tell you that time in the future has, has not come over a year later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I think something's something's going on with, there's a lot going on with Patrick Reed right now. The equipment, this is, this is truly his worst slump of his entire career. And, uh, I'm very curious to see where this goes. I, I don't understand like he's such an easy target already as it is. Like, are you really like are you really gonna go out and, and tweet all this stuff when he's can't make a cut to save his life right now either? So uh I enjoy the entertainment of it. I think it's one of the best parts of Twitter. Um very interested to see where this goes. Uh there's probably a lot more deep diving that we could do with this in the future.
0: Yeah, we'll put a pin in it for now, but Andy, it's Friday. We will not scramble again until Tuesday, and that will be for the Players' Championship. So any final thoughts before we get out of here for today's show?
1: No, no, none at all. Uh, Super excited for next week. I will say, too, we got some pretty cool stuff up our sleeves starting next week. True.
0: Yes, very true. Well, yeah, that's a which, professional tease there Andy. Professional well
1: tease. We'll talk more about it I think on the Tuesday
0: scramble. Yes, that'll be that'll okay. be good or and also probably people who might want to tune into your show on yes. Sunday. Yeah, Absolutely. So just yeah. a little little professional tease that's how that's how we do it. Uh big thanks to producer Mina behind the scenes. She's been trying to up her her Twitter following Andy. I don't know what she's up to now, but it's uh I think it's Armina Rungood. So she's trying to she's trying to get the the pump up to like three hundred followers. So I was I
1: was told I should promote her. I don't know if she ever tweets anything. Okay, that co- that's comically low. I mean, she should be at least in the mid thousands. Um, no, she do- she first of all she does tweet funny stuff before I've seen even before I became friends with producer Mina she would tweet sometimes like she would quote tweet some of your stuff that I yeah. have seen before. So she I pokes think, fun at me mostly. I yeah. Think. So I think we might, we might be selling her, her short. Yeah. No follow producer. I mean, come on, what are we, what are we doing here? She also
0: does pick winners, which is what the chat knows about her. She does pick winners uh, at a better rate than I do. Uh, Andy Lack is available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. And, of course, you can find me at Rick Run. Good. This has been your Friday scramble for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We'll see you on Tuesday.